I didn't notice till I was looking at that video that uh, I have memorized that passage in two different ta- uh, scripture translations and I mixed them up. So, <laughs> The most important part of memorizing scripture is knowing where it's found and knowing what it means. What it means is vital for your spiritual growth. Where it's found is important for you to be share, able to share it with other people. If you memorize it word for word, that's great too. But learn what it means and learn where it's found so you can apply it in your life and share it with others. It's a blessing to have you here today. It's especially a blessing to have Jean Pauly here today. She went to the hospital this week, got her pacemaker replaced. She's doing great. I asked her if she was ready to lead an aerobics class. She said, not quite yet. So... She and Pat will be doing that soon, right? <laughs> it's a blessing to have Cliff down here uh, checking up and, and taking care of mom. And, and uh, I am glad that you could be here. We have some that can't. John Trofton uh, contacted Benjamin this week and said uh, he's not able to be here, but he's hoping it's going to get better. Thursday, he's going in for knee replacement. So uh, hopefully that'll start improving things for him. We're in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Hopefully you have a Bible. I'll be reading scripture, but I encourage people to actually look at it and see it in the Word of God. That's important to realize this is God's Word, not my Word. And uh, the words of Terry are fallible. The words of God are not. And we submit to and follow the words of our Lord. And The question we're thinking about today is, why would God allow His faithful people to be thrown into a furnace? Now, none of us have experienced that, but if you're honest with yourself, there have been times in your life you felt like you were in a furnace. You felt like you were in an extremely difficult place, and in some ways, sometimes it's harder for Christians going through hard times because they know God could change it. They know God could stop the earth from spinning in its orbit, move it back 10 degrees and start it back up. They know God has the capacity to do infinite things. But those who really walk closely with the Lord, who grow and mature and have a close relationship with Him, they can face those trials. Particularly those who've made a commitment in their life. They're going to honor the Lord no matter what. I've had people tell me, well, pastor, I don't go to church anymore because my mama was a godly woman and God let her suffer with cancer for years and die in pain. And I just decided if that's how God takes care of his own, I don't want to follow God. You know what he forgot? The moment his mama exhaled for the last time on planet Earth, she was in the presence of the Lord. The scripture says from God's perspective, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. She was with the Lord forever. And we have to have an eternal perspective in order to face the trials of life. And these guys sure did. 
we're going to start out this morning thinking about the challenge that they had to face. The challenge. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and whose width, its width, six cubits. So a cubit's about a foot and a half, the measurement from here to here. Mine's a little longer than that, but for the average person in that day, that's about what it was. So about 18 inches. So he's about 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. That's not um, a normal body. I mean, imagine if you knew somebody who was a uh, Nine feet tall and only three inches wide, you know. It'd look a little strange, wouldn't it? So this is a tall, thin, I looked and looked for a picture and couldn't find a picture that showed it tall and thin enough. You remember the old movies? When the movie was over, at the very end of the movie, it would like elongate the picture. And, and these people who were like five, six became, you know, like eight feet tall. And some of you young people are looking at me like, What? All the older people were nodding their heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm one of those older people. So he made this thing, and he covered it with gold. And it's out in a plain. And so for miles and miles and miles, you come over that last hill, and way out there, you could see that thing shimmering in the sunlight, glowing in the moonlight. You could not miss it. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps. Those are people who have political appointments of one kind or another. The administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So in verse 1 we have the image. And in verses 2 and 3, we have this summons. He wants them all to come. So what do they do? Well, the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of all the province gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. He wanted them all to come, and they came from one end of the empire to the other. And it could have been a several multi-day journey to get there. Even in a car today, it would be a couple of days. And from one end of his thing to the other. And, you know, it was like bigger than Texas, you know. Texas from El Paso to Texarkana is like 695 miles. And about four miles, it's beautiful. Right around Abilene. Uh, uh, But when when you're... (laughs) That's all just for Kathy Bird, by the way. I told her once, Texas looks so good in the rearview mirror. She said, oh, pastor, it looks good from any direction. So these guys gather together, and they show up, and, and they don't know at this point that they have to worship this thing. They just were summoned by King Nebuchadnezzar. And when the king said, come, you came. Even in our culture today, If the president summons you, most people will just go, whether they like the particular president we have in office at that time or not. Uh, They would go because the office. But in that day, if you were a ruler under Nebuchadnezzar and did not answer his summons, you wouldn't just get put out of your job. You'd get put out of your life. 
So they came. And then the command came. The herald cried aloud. These guys had amazing voices. It said that some of the early preachers in the 1800s could preach to crowds of 12,000 with no amplification, no microphone. They could just beller it out there. Now, a few of us could do that today, but it wouldn't be a pleasant sound for you to hear. Uh, but bellering it out, and so this herald would cry out, and everyone could hear him, and you just wanted to not be standing next to the guy when he yelled, right? Oh, people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, uh, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So he cried that out. It was a command that they would, when they heard that music, they would fall down and worship. And there isn't just the command. Sometimes what parents need to do is they tell a child what to do, and sometimes they tell the child consequences if they don't get it done. And so that's what Nebuchadnezzar does. Here's what you need to do. And if you don't, the threat of death in verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. He's not even going to make him stand close to the edge. And then nudge him a little closer and a little... Just thrown into the middle of a burning, fiery furnace. Years ago, when Pastor Gene Schaefer was still here, he had retired from being the senior pastor here, and he was helping me. And we got some video materials in, and I asked him, I said, can you look over this? Somebody sent us samples, and, and I said, just see if it's any good. He said, oh, okay. He picked the video on Daniel chapter 3, and he put it in his video player, and it's talking about how within these big ovens, there were sometimes cool spots that weren't as hot as the other parts of the oven. And God provided for these guys. He allowed them to get thrown into the cool spot. Those videos are sold by Christian ministries. No, they're not Christian. They're not believers. They're not following the Word of God. This is a miracle. They would be thrown into the midst of the furnace. And so the result of the command and the threat, when the people heard all the sound of all these instruments, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They all did. Even though they had all different kinds of languages, the herald would cry out in their language, and music is the universal language. And they would play the music, and the people just bowed down. Now, there are some types of music that are designed to have a physical response. That's why sometimes the tribal music, as they're getting ready for war, they have such strong beat in the tribal music to inspire, because your body responds to that. And so they, they played that music and everybody bowed down. I, I like this picture that's kind of grainy, a little picture, but it was a free image for churches. And it has three guys standing up. And it, whoa, that was uh, three guys standing up, and all the others 
are bowing down. And I'll, there were, were hundreds and hundreds of people there out on the plain. And they're all bowing down. And three guys standing up. Now, if it was your job to bow down, would you have seen the guy standing up? No. Have you ever been at prayer, you know, family prayer, and you say amen, and then one kid says, Mama, Johnny had his eyes open during the prayer. Shame on Johnny. Uh, how did they know? <laughs> you ask him that, and the kid's like, oops, busted. <laughs> well, they, everybody fell down except three. We don't know that yet, but as the story goes on, the antagonists show up. If you're going to walk with God and stand for God, you're going to have antagonists. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're going to stand for the truth. You're going to have antagonists. There's going to be people who don't like the stand you're taking. I, w I was talking about it with somebody this week that sometimes the most criticism we get is from other Christians who don't honor the Word of God, who don't build the ministry around the Word of God. And they're kind of lax about some of the things God says. And we have to honor God. Verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever! Isn't that interesting? I mean, that's you know, been said in a lot of different cultures. The only one who lives forever is Jesus. We will live forever, not on planet Earth. We, we will live forever somewhere. But they're talking about living on planet Earth. How many of you... In your lifetime, and, and when I was born, President Eisenhower was in office, and some of you can remember when he was elected. And so when, when uh, you were in your lifetime, how many of you wish you could have always just had one guy have the absolute authority in everything and have that person not be you? We don't really like that. So it's interesting they say, king live forever. Verse 10, you, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all these instruments shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So in a way, there are certain Jews that you have promoted that you have put in positions of power. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were their Babylonian names. Um, These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods, nor worship uh, the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar does something very strange. He gives them a second chance. The original command was, you do it or die. And now he says, I'm going to give you one more chance. Why? Probably because he recognized their value to the kingdom. They were faithful, they were serving, they were honorable. So he says, is it true? 
middle of verse 14. That you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up. Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Who is the God that will deliver you from my hands? He meets that God later in this book. Look at this next image. The commitment. These guys are standing before the king. He's already upset. Uh, the way this picture is drawn, there's Nebuchadnezzar. He's got one hand out and he's got, and he's like, who is that God? And the guys are just standing there. They're ready to answer. See, this was something they settled when they were young men. When they were teenage guys, they made a commitment they were going to honor God with their body. And now their body is being threatened with a fiery furnace. And they don't say, ooh, let me rethink this. They honor the commitment they made back then. And so they respond to him. I love it. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verse 16 said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. <laughs> we don't need to answer you. We're ready to be thrown into the furnace. We're going to honor God with our body no matter what. They didn't say, Oh, king, live forever. They said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't have to take time to think of an answer. Verse 17, If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. See, death is deliverance from the hand of the enemy. Verse 18, But if not, they did not know for sure God would spare their lives. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We don't worship your gods. Hey, folks, we live in a pluralistic society. We need to tell our society, we don't worship your gods. We worship the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, the writer of the Holy Scripture, we worship that God and Him alone. You see, these guys knew the Old Testament law that speaks very clearly about idolatry, that you shall not make for yourselves an idol uh, in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down and worship them. Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5. The choice was between the king's command and God's word, and they made the right choice. They chose God's word. And we need to today. We don't have to look for a fiery furnace to find a place to be brave. We just make the decision, like they did in chapter 1, to honor God. And then as we go through our life, if something comes up, we honor God in that. If something else comes up, we honor God. If something else comes up, we honor God. God doesn't need to make our problems go away. He strengthens us to face the problems. And if you look 
in verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury, right? Now jump down to verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the expression on his face changed. His countenance was changed. His visage changed. Have you ever seen somebody be really mad? What happens? Their eyes get bugging out. Their nose flares. Their face turns red. They're just, you know, if they have really white hair, when their face turns red, it's like their hair glows. They get mad. And you, you can see it. They're, they're gritting their teeth. Some guys, their wives can tell when their husband's upset just by the shape of his jaw because he, his mouth shifts when he gets upset. And, and those wives, if they're smart, they reach over and touch their husband at that moment to keep from exploding. But the rage! Oh, he bellers this out. He's full of fury. And the expression on his face changed. He had been hoping they would change their mind. And therefore he spoke and commanded they would heat the furnace seven times more than it normally was heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor, these warriors that he had near, he commanded them to go and to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and carry them over and throw them into the fire. And I don't know if it was one mighty warrior with one guy or, or they went in pairs and two guys and pitched him into the fire. But if you look, because the king, in verse 22, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took them up. Whether it was three men or six men, we don't know. But we know all of them died. They didn't happen to find a cool spot in the furnace. It was a raging inferno. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They fell down into the flames. And if that was the end of the story... We should still do what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. We should still honor God, even if that's the end of the story. And we say, they were faithful unto death. That would be enough. But praise God, it's not always the end of the story, and it certainly wasn't here. The end of the story. The amazement. King Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 24, was astonished, and he rose in haste. And spoke, saying to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king, look! He answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, he didn't know what Jesus looked like. He didn't know the Son of God. But he knew this, this was an angelic-looking being. I think it was a Christophany or a Theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think he was there in the fire with them. 
But Nebuchadnezzar just recognized, this is amazing. There's, there's three men, and now there's a fourth man, and we threw three in the fire, and they were bound. And now they're walking around loose in the fire. Imagine how cool that would be. <laughs> Getting over there, hey guys, watch this. <laughs> Kicking flaming embers at each other? Maybe not. But if it was my brothers and I, that's what we would have done. And, and they're loose. The fire burned the ropes, but not their skin. If you understand anything about biology, skin burns faster than ropes. It burned the rope, but it didn't burn their hair. Benjamin was talking about uh, grilling or something and getting your hair singed and your arm hair singed, right? <laughs> when I was a kid, I got my eyebrows singed off at a barbecue pit once. Uh, got a little too close. Um, yeah, it, hair burns fast. Their hair didn't burn. Some of you were at the campfire that we just had. I'm not able to go to the campfire anymore, but many of you were there. And when you got home, if you'd been close to the campfire, what'd your clothes smell like? Campfire. What'd your hair smell like? Campfire. I remember one year, a long time ago, Kathy was homesick with one kid, and all the rest of us came home from the campfire, and she's like, put your clothes in the garage, go shower, because it made the whole house smell like it was on fire. Verse 26, the Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace. He got close, not right up to it, but close. And he spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then they came from the midst of the fire, and all the people who had been bowing down, they're all nearby. The way this is written, it's like he built a special furnace on the plain right by where the thing was. And so the people could say, if I don't bow, I get thrown in that one thing right over there. And so they come out, and all these people are all gathered around, and they saw... They saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments effective, and the smell of smoke was not on them. You know, I've watched firemen wrap up in all their stuff. When they do the final test on fire equipment, a man wears it. And, and they walk into flaming, burning buildings. And it saves their lives. Right, Jeff? It saves their lives. But it still has an impact. In that suit, I've never worn a full suit, but it had an arm. And in that suit, you get all sweaty. Uh, and you can tell you have been in a fire. And so they, they had nothing. No singe, no smell. Their clothes were just fine. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. By the way, 
Some people think he's making a profession of faith. He's not. He's making a profession of, wow, that was amazing. And he does forbid people from speaking against their God, but he doesn't challenge them to worship their God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made in ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. So there's a new death threat. The old death threat was bow before my image or be burned in the furnace. But because these guys came walking out of the furnace, there's now a new death threat. Speak against their God and you'll be put to death. And he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I want you to think about our challenge and then about our commitment. Our challenge. We probably won't be forced to bow down before a 90-foot tall, skinny idol of gold. Probably not going to happen. But we do get asked to bow before the idol of gold in the material sense. We live in a very materialistic culture. And we are asked to bow down. I've known young men and women who've uh, had tremendous job offers and they've turned it down because it would require them to miss church. And most of the people in the world don't understand that. They don't understand when you make a commitment to really put God first. But even today, believers in other countries are faced with prison and danger and family danger and even death just for professing Christ. Under Sharia law, if a Muslim converts to any other faith, he is to be put to death. And yet there are Muslims witnessing for Christ, not Muslims, Islamic peoples, witnessing for Christ because they care about their neighbor so much they will hazard their own life. Even in America, believers have lost their jobs for refusing to cheat or violate their own ethical standards. Some have even lost their businesses for refusing to participate in marriage ceremonies that violate their faith, and they've lost their business. Some teens and college students receive and feel pressured by their friends to respond with what's called sexting, texting a naked picture or a partially naked picture of yourself to somebody else. And it's more common in our culture than we would like to think it could be. And one of the problems is that not only do they have pressure from their friends to participate in this, but the response of their family and the church has been mostly shame. Instead of instructing on God's value of the human body and God's perspective on human sexuality, and, and teaching them to honor and value. We shame and belittle. And so there's pressure from both sides for those people. Believers and non-believers alike face false accusation 
or in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, doing exactly what was the right thing to do, but the people in your culture not appreciating that, and so you face the consequences. There's been job loss, harmful, sinful actions uh, taken against those who believe and follow the Lord. But most of the time, our challenges are much smaller. Will you cheat on your time card to get a little bit more money? Will you clock in and then go use the bathroom instead of using the bathroom and clocking in when you're ready to work? Will you plagiarize a paper or cheat on a test to get a better grade? You didn't cheat on that nursing test, did you, Megan? I knew she didn't because you can't in the structure of that test, but she wouldn't have anyway, okay? But some do. Will you get an honest grade or will you cheat for a better grade? It's a little harder to cheat on your test when you're homeschooled. Will you give a little or will you sacrifice to support the work of the Lord? Will you neglect the scriptures so that you can read something you think is more entertaining or watch TV or play a video game or surf the net? Most of the time, your life will not be on the line. But your spiritual life is on the line every day. God doesn't need to just make everything go away. We don't need to look for fiery furnace decisions. We just make a decision to trust the Lord, and then we keep trusting Him no matter what. Our commitment. Our commitment. Years ago, I read about Corey Ten Boom. Um, she was the first woman licensed as a watchmaker in the Netherlands in 1922. I didn't know that. But each member of her family trusted Christ and followed Him. I knew that. And in their home, they set up a place when the Nazis came in and took over the Netherlands. They set up a small space in their house. It was about the size of a, a wardrobe. And if you squeezed people in there, you could fit six people in there. And they called it the hiding place. And they would put people in the hiding place when the Nazis came and inspected. And one of their neighbors ratted them out. And as a result, Corrie Ten Boom and her family were sent to the concentration camps where most of them died. Corrie would later write a book called The Hiding Place, Her Life Story. She said she learned about God and she learned about trust through her ordeal with the Nazis. And I love this. My favorite quote of hers, Never be afraid to trust... I'm sorry. Never be i got to read this, so I'm going to look down to get it right. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You can stand there and say, I don't know the future, but I know the one who does. I know the one who not only knows the future, but controls the future. I can trust that one. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Earlier this month, I was reading about Stuttered Kennedy. 
He was a chaplain during World War II. He was often thrust in the front lines of battle, ministering in places of danger to his life. And one day, as he was going through France, he wrote a letter to his son who was about 10 years old. And this is the letter he wrote. The first prayer I want my son to learn is to say for me is not, God, keep daddy safe, but God, make daddy brave. And if he has hard things to do, make him strong to do them. Son, life and death don't matter, but right and wrong do. Daddy dead is daddy still, but daddy dishonored before God is something too awful for words. I suppose you would like to put in a bit about safety too, and mother would like that, I'm sure. Well, put it in afterward. For it really doesn't matter nearly as much as doing what is right. Do you trust your unknown future to your known God? Have you put it on the line? Do you remind yourself every day? When you blow it, do you confess your sin and recommit to trust and follow the Lord? Why would God allow His faithful people to be thrown into a furnace? I don't know. But even though He allows that sometimes, even though He allowed horrific suffering described to the others in Hebrews 11, this I know, we can still trust Him. Life and death are not that big when we're going to live forever with the Lord. The end of our life on earth is not the end of our life. God sees the whole of our life, including the joy and the glory that will be hereafter. The difficulties that seem so important and so dramatic today, from God's perspective, they're not difficult. They're not big. They're minor bumps. I stood at the Grand Canyon at the top and at the bottom and a lot of places in between. And you stand at the top of the Grand Canyon and it's a mile wide and it stretches off in that direction and this direction and it seems humongous. When you fly over it at 38,000 feet like I did once on a flight from San Diego to Chicago, it looks about that big. From God's perspective, your trials are barely a blip. And someday, glory forevermore. We have too many believers who trust in God for their eternal soul, but they don't trust Him for their health, or their finances, or their relationships, or their careers. Will you trust the Lord with everything? With your soul? With your heart? With your body? With your family? With your future? Or this morning, do you need quietly before God to admit your lack of trust and lack of faith and commit to the sovereign Lord 
to allow him to rule over the circumstances of your life without you fussing at him about it. And say, Lord, my health, my wealth, my family, my house, my future, they're yours. If you guys would bow your heads in just a moment, we're going to sing, I surrender all. Maybe there's a decision you need to make, you and God. Maybe you need to trust Christ as your Savior, ask Him to forgive your sins and be your Savior. And maybe you want help with that. You can step out and come to the front. If you're not able to come to the front, you can touch your neighbor and they'll find somebody who can help you if they can't do it. We need to really commit because I believe Christians in America are facing hard times ahead. And we need to stand true for the Lord no matter what. But if not, be it known unto you, O King, we will not worship your gods or serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. Make that commitment in your heart today. Let's stand as we sing, I 